But the first speaker is someone who, who teaches in VSSM, who plays bass on the worship team, who does and does and does. I just call him the utility man of Valley Church because he teaches, he preaches, he sings, he dances, he does it all. So welcome to the platform, Pastor Benjamin Snell. All right, good morning. I was uh, hoping that Christy Lynn would be back in here, but she's not back yet. So since she's not... I need a second-year VSSM volunteer. I knew somebody would because you know that I will grab you anyway. I won't make you come up here, Lynette. I have a question for you. Oh, well, then come on up. All right. Praise God. All right. I have a question for you, Lynette. Who are you? I'm a daughter of the king. That's what I expected. That's why I wanted a second-year graduate. That is the answer I expected. That's actually all I needed, Lynette. Thank you so much. (laughs) I watched on Friday, after all week been praying and and thinking and and pondering what to bring today, I watched on Friday... um, the latest Kendrick Brothers movie, Overcomer. And a question was raised to a couple of people, that very question, who are you? At one point in time, one of them was told, go back and read the first two chapters of Ephesians. Now, I've read Ephesians many times, but that triggered in me, why Ephesians? And so, since Friday, I've read Ephesians probably 10 times, because there's just so very much in there. So, who am I? I'm a son of the king. I'm a son of God. I'm a child of God. Here's what Ephesians says, what Paul says to the church at Ephesus who they are because they have accepted Christ. Blessed, chosen, holy, and blameless, pleasurably and willingly adopted sons and daughters, in love, redeemed and forgiven, sealed for inheritance, being dead in transgressions, made to be alive in Christ because of his love, and mercy, and grace, seated in heavenly places with Christ, saved by grace through faith, created in Christ to do good works, which God prepared for us. Once separated from Christ, and hopeless, and godless, made naturalized citizens, and adopted into the family of God by Christ, And made able to receive the promises of God's covenants with Israel. Today, if you have accepted Christ into your heart as your Lord and Savior, you are all those things. 
You are all those things. I've never read Ephesians before from that perspective. So it opened my eyes to say, oh, wow. That is amazing. So if I were to ask a lot of people in here, many of you, most of you, I would imagine, would have said, I am a child of God. But many of you would not have. Many of you would have said, I'm a mother or a father, or I'm a banker, or I'm a whatever. And child of God may have been on your list, but sixth, seventh down. So I pose this question to you. How important is it in your life to be called Christian? How important is it? And the reason why I wanted Christy Lynn now that she walked in, the reason why I wanted her is because her name is the very definition of who we are. Her name is Christy. Christy, little Christ, Christian. Her name is the definition of who we are. So, if that's important in your life, it should be top priority in your life. God told us to not, to not put anything or anybody before him. So when, when we come to the realization of who we are and whose we are and our identity, why is this important? I, I need to go back a little bit. So we've seen over the past 20 years a lot of stuff. On this day, 20 years ago, people were preparing for the end of the world. A few days ago, eight years ago, people were preparing for the end of the world. The only way to prepare for the end of the world is to become a citizen of heaven. That's the only way to do it. Now, Jesus may come today. He may come tomorrow. He may come in another 40 years. I believe it's soon. As with every generation before me, I believe that it's this generation. Paul believed that he would see the, the return of Christ 2,000 years ago. But I believe... One thing for sure, we are closer now than we've ever been. And the only way to do that, the only way to be prepared for that is to be a citizen, to become that naturalized citizen, which we are promised we are when we take Christ's name. We're not only just a part of the family, we are a naturalized citizen into heaven. Okay, so what does that mean? This is the great part of Ephesians as it goes on. It doesn't just tell you who you are, who you've become, who you've been made to be. It also tells you how to live once you've become that and once you've come to that realization. So how shall we live? Starting in Ephesians, Ephesians 4, it gets into this. There's some prayer in there in between the first two chapters in Ephesians 4 where, we, where, where I'm picking up again here. We are... <clears throat> We are to live worthy of the calling, humble, gentle, patient, peaceful, applying our unique gifts, putting off our old self to be made new in the attitude of our minds and put on our new self to be like God in truth 
righteousness, and holiness. We are to speak truth in love. We're not to sin in anger. We're not to steal, but to work diligently to have something to give. We are to speak only what is helpful and beneficial to others, building them up. We are to be kind and compassionate to one another. We are to forgive as Christ has forgiven. We are to imitate God as his loved children, just as Christ loved. We are to stay clean from even the appearance of sexual immorality, impurity, or greed, obscenity, foolish talk, coarse joking. All of those things aren't to be a part of our life. Rather, we're to give thanks in everything that we do. Pastor Renee was just talking about that, about getting things out of your house, out of your life, removing things from you that are not Christ-like. Before I go on, does anybody feel like, how can I ever, and be honest, does anybody in here feel like, how can I ever live up to that? Is that even possible? It seems impossible. But the old has passed away and you've been made new creation in Christ. These things are not possible in man, but with God, all things are possible. And that's why we're supposed to give thanks in all things. In Christ's name. We are to be wise to attempted deception and empty words. We are to live as children of light in goodness, righteousness, and truth. Not partnering with darkness, but exposing its deeds to the light. We are to understand the Lord's will and be filled with the Spirit. We're to speak to each other with psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. We're to sing to the Lord and submit ourselves to each other. There's a whole section on submission that I don't think we need to get into because it's really simple. It's all summed up in the first sentence. Submit one into another. But most off, this is where Ephesians ends. In Ephesians 6, many of you are familiar with the armor of God. So Ephesians 6 says, because of these things, because of these things, be strong in the Lord's power, standing firm against the devil's deception. Put on the full armor of God, held together by truth your heart protected in righteousness, ready to move with the gospel of peace, grounded or guarded by faith with with your mind in salvation. Arm yourself with the word of God, guided by the Holy Spirit. Pray in the Spirit always and for everything. Be alert and pray for each other and all the saints. That is where it ends, is Because of your identity, because of who you are, because of who you are made to be, because of the person that you're you're becoming, put on this. Put on this armor. Put on truth and righteousness. 
It is your identity. It's not just a belt or a breastplate. It is your identity. It is your identity. So going into this new year, this new decade, and running out of time, I want to pray for everybody. If you'll just put your hands out to receive a blessing from the Lord. Father God, I thank you. I thank you for all you've done in my life in these past 20 years. The changes you've made in me. And the changes I've seen you made in so many other people. Father God, just in the recent months, the changes that are coming to this valley, to this state, to this city. Father God, the changes that you are putting forth in this nation, the strength and the courage that you are pouring in to each one of your people, that we are to stand strong in your truth and righteousness and have faith and be guarded by our faith in you and your works, knowing who we are and whose we are. Father God, I just ask that each and every person has an individual encounter and relationship with you, that they understand exactly who they are in your name and in your power, covered in your blood, clothed in your righteousness. Father God, that they come into realization that they are no longer living of this world, but are citizens of heaven, naturalized, made whole, adopted into your family as your sons and daughters. Thank you, Jesus. In your holy name we pray. Amen. So now I do get a couple more minutes because I get to, yes, I do. Don't shake your head at me. No, I get to now introduce our next speaker. This is a man who I've had the pleasure of serving with in the children's ministry and on the worship team. He's a man who has wisdom. And I want to say something about wisdom. Wisdom comes from one thing experience. Experience comes from two things, either your own personal experience or vicariously through somebody else's experience. And this man has received both. So he's got a strong wisdom, that which he's brought in from those who have gone before him, and then also through the trials that he himself has gone through. And because of that, He's been instilled power and giftings from on high. And I'm proud to have him. I'm proud to call him friend. I'm proud to have him come up. Matthew, if you please come on up. Thank you, Pastor Benji. Life. We've been given life through the spirit of Jesus Christ. It's amazing. I am in awe still of the still small voice. I love dreams and visions. I love the audible voice. I love all the ways we can experience him through signs and wonders. But the daily still small voice, it amazes me that this is even possible. The Lord, the, our creator, the Lord of the universe, we can commune with him while I'm doing dishes. Hello. 
It blows me away. And I hope I never get over that. <laughs> uh, Pastor Benji, it was the perfect lead-in because I wanted to establish the fact that we are sons and daughters of God, our identity, whose we are. And then we get to go even deeper, the nuances of what he has implanted in our hearts. I went for years not realizing certain mantles and certain gifts I carried. And even when they were spoken, I said, no, thanks. Nope. I'm good. I'm good. Samuel, speak for your servant is listening. It took a lot of people and Lord himself to yell at me to get me to snap too. And I think of, I think of Moses in Exodus 14, 10 through 14. Then Moses said to the Lord, Please, Lord, I have never been eloquent, neither recently nor in time past, nor since you have spoken to your servant, for I am slow of speech and slow of tongue. The Lord said to him, Who has made man's mouth? Or who makes him mute or deaf or seeing or blind? Is it not I, the Lord? Now then go, and even I, I will be your mouth and teach you what you are to say. But Moses said, Please, Lord, now send the message by whomever you will. And this is my favorite part. Then the anger of the Lord burned against Moses. <laughs> because the Lord knew what he had planted in Moses, but Moses wasn't willing to receive that. He wasn't going by faith. He wasn't like, oh, yeah, I am the mouthpiece. So Aaron was sent, right? But this was me for years. Gift right here. Not really willing to walk it out. Interesting news story. I just read a couple days ago. Uh, UPS was saying how they expect almost 2 million return packages they have to deal with on January 2nd, National Return Day. The National Retail Federation says that 55% of shoppers plan to return or exchange unwanted gifts within a month of receiving them. Can you imagine doing that to our father? He's put all this stuff in us and like, that's not me. Okay, I can get it. If there's, if there's a shirt or something that maybe doesn't really suit my style or my color, okay. But we're talking about who God has called us to be. How we're supposed to minister effectively to those in our lives. <laughs> There's a, a man of God. Well, that's debatable. But he's probably, well, he knew God. He knew the Bible from front to back. Probably one of the, the greatest American commanders of the 20th century, George S. Patton. Interesting man. He believed in fate. He believed in destiny. But he's a courageous soldier. And he can mobilize an army like nobody. He can motivate men, inspire them, lead them. His organizational ability was incredible. He had such courage. He was one of these people who I believe he was created for a specific person, or excuse me, a specific time in history to do a certain job. We are all these people, though. We, all of us here. We have a specific calling, a thing that no one can do better than us the way we do it. George Patton was one of these guys, except he ruffled feathers of his superiors. Sometimes the soldiers couldn't stand him because of his techniques. But he was called in a great time of evil to destroy evil like no one else could. World War II, 1940s. So this was a guy very much like our president who ruffled feathers in the media. He got in trouble all the time. His superiors were like, can't you just keep your mouth shut? He says, I am a soldier. I fight where I am told. I win where I fight. We're in a spiritual battle right now. Jesus has won the war. 
But we're still called to put out hot spots, take back land over here, physical land, land in the heart, right? <laughs> Another quote from Patton, no sane man is unafraid in battle, but discipline produces in him a form of vicarious, vicarious courage. What's that? Perhaps an abnormal, different type of courage to step up to the plate. I'm trusting in God, not myself. I'm moving by faith, not by sight. So what happened? He was actually pulled off the lines. He was, his command was removed at some point in 1944 because of all these little things that were happening. He ruffled feathers, and it really bothered him. And they didn't tell him why. Operation Overlord, this invasion of Normandy, invasion of Europe, he wasn't led to command it. The Germans thought that he was. He was the obvious choice. The Germans feared him. Aha, but American High Command knew, so they didn't send him in. Interesting, but he was held in reserve. Well, what, what happened? He said, I feel I'm destined to achieve, to achieve some great thing. What? I don't know. But this last incident is so trivial in its nature and so terrible as an effect, it can't be the result of an accident. It has to be the work of God. The last great opportunity of a lifetime? My entire world's at war and I'm left out of it? God will not permit this to happen. I am going to be allowed to fulfill my destiny. Will you speak prophetically like that over your own life? He was convinced. Eventually, he was allowed back to his position of command. He rescued the 101st Airborne at the Battle of the Bulge. Okay. But this idea of blessings, are they conditional? Love is conditional. Absolutely. But there's something about when I fully yield to the Lord by knowing what he's planted in me. Through discipline. Yes, okay, read the Bible, spend time with the Lord every day. But I believe God is calling us out to commune with him in a new way. Not the same old ways. Yes, he's, he's changeless, but he wants us to, to, to grow with him and meet him anew. That's what relationship is. If I, if I just decide to meet him the same old way all the time, maybe the fruit will stagnate. Possibly. There was a time in my life where he... he called me out big time. I, I rededicated my, my whole life to him. And we see in Luke 5 how Jesus performed many miracles. I'll read it here. But the news about him was spreading even farther, and the, and the large crowds were gathering to hear him and to be healed of their sicknesses. But Jesus himself would often slip away to the wilderness and pray. And I started to do that, not realizing it was biblical. I just started to go out to the mountains in the Oahis, and supernatural things would happen. And it, it was amazing. And I, I did this in faith, but it rebuilt my relationship with him. And I don't know what that looks like for you today, but I believe he's calling all of us out to meet with him in a new way. If that means 5 a.m. in your jammy jams, that's great. I'd rather drive 40 miles to the mountains at a later time of day, but We think about uh, Numbers 13, how Moses sent men to the promised land and they brought back fruit. And it occurs to me that it's important that we don't settle for the fruit, just the blessings, right? It's being locked into our relationship with the Lord. We don't seek just the, the vision and the gift. We seek the relationship with the Lord himself. And all that stuff follows. We know this. It's the land that grows the fruit. Access to the land, that's access to the Father right there. He's the source of everything through Jesus Christ in us. 
grows trees which grow fruit. And we get to sample that blessing. Oh, hello. But I do believe that some of these blessings are given on the basis of my obedience. If I'm locked in addiction, I'm not going to speak to 50,000 people at the stadium. That's not, it doesn't work that way, right? But yet he wants us to fulfill our assignment here. And John 14, 21, mm, he who has my commandments and keeps them is the one who loves me. And he who loves me will be loved by my father and I will love him and I will disclose myself to him. Verse 23, no, no, I'm going to stop right there. I will disclose myself to him. The intimate secrets. Proverbs 25.2 talks about this. Uh, Mark 4.22. And we do this not out of a sense of Christian duty or performance. That's religion. Because we want to be with our friend, our Jesus, our sweet Jesus. Oh. But first seek his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. Yeah, we're, you know, it's this, we're not blessing seekers. We're God seekers. And I think of a part of this counterfeit revolution that the enemy throws at us seeks to distract us from spending time with God. I mean, it seems simple, right? But even perhaps, perhaps, if I am in such a regimented time with God, maybe I just need to mix it up, need to spice things up. Like in a marriage, those of you who have spouses, sometimes we need a little, little zing to kind of, you know, refresh things. Father, refresh my spirit. Real quick, so... One of the first times I, I ventured out into the mountains, I, I, someone was mentoring me and said, Matthew, how do you best connect with God? I said, well, I like to, I like to run. I like to be outside. And we kind of thought maybe being in nature. Okay, so I tried it. And this is an actual uh, occurrence I had. I was out in the Oahis after a big fire had blown through and there was no vegetation. Um, there shouldn't have been any sign of animals. But yet I saw hoof prints. I saw deer droppings. And after a while, I, I kind of followed this uh, path, I saw three deer. Oh, I thought I'd follow them. I was probably about 200 yards off. And so I would just kind of stay on their path. But this was weird. Every time I stopped, they would stop and look at me. We tried this a couple times, and then I got to this uh, rocky hill. It was all loose rock, but the degree of inclination was crazy, like to the point where when I finally decided to climb it, I was on all fours. But I looked up, and the, these three deer were still staring at me, these little heads and antlers looking down. It was the oddest thing. So I get to the top. The deer are gone, and I actually I fell over in the power of the Lord. The presence of God was so strong on the top of this hill, it just it totally wrecked me. And I'm thinking, oh, okay, what, what's going on? This, this overwhelming sense. I was praising his name. Uh, it was just a fun way to meet him that wouldn't have happened if I was probably sitting in my room at home. Not to say amazing things can't happen there. But it's us stepping out in faith. What does that look like for you today? I believe with the new year being ushered in, he wants to commune with us in new ways. I, I truly believe that, not, not the same old way we've, we've done it, which wasn't bad. God bless you all. Thank you. <laughs> and now I get to introduce an amazing man of God, Assistant Pastor Tim Martinez. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. 
Aren't we having fun so far? Man, God is so amazing and wonderful to us. I was sitting over there, and, you know, when you get ready, you get asked to speak, it's always like, oh, no, that, that you know, I've got to study, I've got to figure out what to say, and please, God, help me, and let me say the right words. I don't want to bring something that's of my own. And so sitting up last night and going through all the, the things and verses, and I just really felt that this is what God wanted me to bring. So I was like, okay, but it's just kind of out of the norm of how I would like to do it, but we'll figure it out as we go. And then Benji gets up and totally just asks somebody to come up here and ask a question about identity. And I turned and look over at my wife and I was like, are you kidding me? I said, it's in my notes. And I start like scrolling through and I start showing her. And then Matthew gets up and starts talking even more about identity. And it's like, come on, Jesus, you have something to say to us this morning. And I'm so thankful that we get to hear it. We get to be a part of it. So Mark chapter 5, I'm going to kind of take you through, starting at verse 21. You can turn there, or you can just make notes on the back end of your bulletin. Mark chapter 5, starting with verse number 21. I think Patty's probably timing me, so I've got to get going here. <laughs> we used to do, in the back, we were, when, when the time went around, we would do the caca, caca. <laughs> um, you, you can do that to me or not, because it'll probably throw me off, <laughs> but that's fine. I, I love having a good time in church. It says, to start off verse 21, Mark chapter 5, verse 21, it says, Jesus got into the boat again and went back to the other side of the lake, where the crowd gathered around him on the shore. Then a leader of the local synagogue, whose name was Jairus, arrived. When he saw Jesus, he fell at his feet, pleading fervently with him, my little daughter is dying. Man, I can just feel it like all the back of my hairs of my, my neck are standing up. Okay, my little daughter is dying. He said, please come and lay your hands on her. Heal her so she can live. Heal her so she can live. Jesus went with him and all the people followed, crowd, crowding around him. Then it breaks into a story. Jesus is on his way to go heal this little girl and all of a sudden we're interrupted. All of a sudden, something, it, it starts off with a different story. It says, a woman in the crowd had suffered for 12 years with constant bleeding. I'm reading from the uh, New Living Translation, so that's probably why it's a little bit different on your screen. Um, a, woman had, a woman in the crowd had suffered from 12 years with constant bleeding. She had suffered great deal from many doctors, and over the years she had spent everything she had to pay them. She had spent everything she had to pay them, and she had gotten no better. In fact, she had gotten worse. How many times has that been you and I? That we began to start and we try to do our own things, trying and constantly coming up short, thinking we have all the answers, and yet the whole time we're in the crowd and the answer is right there in front of us. The whole time we're seeking and we're trying to find what can get us better, what can we do better, how can we make ourselves better. Hey, listen, I'm right there with you. I want to download apps for 2020 that I want to lose weight. I want to speak a new language. I want to do all these new things, but yet the whole time the answer can be right there in front of us. The whole time, you, you, the, the people came to the tomb when Jesus had been risen from the dead, and the angel asked, why are you seeking the living amongst the dead? You're seeking for the wrong, you're, you're trying to seek out the, you have the right intentions, I want to seek the right answer, but you're going about it the wrong way, and I'm not saying we're doing it wrong, I'm just saying we can do it a little bit different, that we want to seek after God a little bit different, because the old way might not be working anymore, and it might be stagnant water, but what I want is a fresh revival that's going to take us into our next year, into our next month, into our next thing. Wow, man, she had heard about Jesus. What 
She had heard about Jesus. She's in the crowd because she had heard some people say that if you'll come see this man named Jesus, he can do miraculous things for you. You and I are be able to be that conduit of God's love wherever we go. When we go to work, we can be able to show the love of God. When we go to school, we can be able to show the love of God. Because when people are looking for an answer, they're going to know who to go to. And that's you and I. Because we can show in our own lives that, hey, I've got the answer because I've met him. I've got the answer because I had my own experience with him. I know what to do. I don't have a magic wand. But what I've got is a wonderful Jesus that you can experience today. It says she heard about Jesus. This wonderful, miraculous, beautiful, awesome man named Jesus. So she came up behind him through the crowd, and touched his robe. She thought to herself, if I can just touch his robe, I will be healed. She didn't even have enough inside of her to say, I can go in front of him and ask. She felt like, I'm unworthy. I'm undeserving. I can't go in front of him. Have we ever been there? Where it says, I, I, listen, I don't have it all together. I I hear it all the time as you tell people, hey, listen, I go to Valley Church. I want you to come. Man, I can't step, in foot into, I can't step foot in a church. I might go up in flames. That's good because we want you to burn out all that old stuff. <laughs> Have we thought inside of ourselves, I can't even face him. But the Bible says that she said it within herself. If I can just touch his robe, I don't have to touch his hand. See, you see, the man earlier asked Jesus, I want you to come and lay hands on my daughter so she can be healed. And the woman's saying, I'm not even worthy of that. I just want to be able to touch your robe. And it says that when she just touched his robe, if I can just touch his robe, I will be healed. And then it says, immediately the bleeding stopped and she could feel her body that had been healed of her terrible condition. Immediately the bleeding stopped. Immediately immediately. All that matters to you and I, it doesn't matter if we feel unworthy. What Jesus is saying is, I want you to come to me because immediately you can be healed. Immediately you can be delivered. Immediately you can be set free from whatever you're feeling like has been bonding me and keeping me down. Jesus wants you to know today that you can immediately feel his presence. You can immediately be set free. You can Im immediately be delivered and feel the joy that just overflows because I know 2019 is hard and it, and it got hard and it, and it had all these things going wrong, but I know that I don't want to leave it the same way I walked into it, but I want to leave it rejoicing by immediately feeling the presence of God as I touch his very robe, as I see what he does because I know that immediately her body was healed of her terrible condition, Jesus realized at once that healing power had gone out of him. Jesus stopped and said, wait a minute, somebody touched me. So he turned around in the crowd and asked, who touched me? Who touched my robe? His disciples said to him, look at this crowd pressing around you, Jesus. How can you ask who touched me? That's ridiculous. I was thinking about this story and it made me laugh because I was thinking about automatically my kids in the back seat. All of a sudden, somebody starts screaming and quiet, crying and everybody gets quiet automatically. And you turn and you're like, who touched who? And nobody says anything. <laughs> Have you been there? <laughs> With kids, it's like, wait, there, somebody touched somebody because they're crying. Nope, I don't know. I didn't see it. Sis is sitting right next to the person crying and she's like, I don't know. I didn't, I didn't see nobody get hurt. <laughs> the disciples looked at him 
and said, what do you mean someone touched you? That's crazy talk. Who's touching? Come on. And I thought about this last night. A revelation kind of hit me that there was, there were so many people touching him, but it, they were touching him out of an accessory. They were just in the crowd following along with everybody else. But Jesus, something happened. Jesus said, someone touched me, not just out of accessory, but someone touched me out of necessity. Oh, man. Because they weren't saying that someone didn't touch me because accessory, but they touched me because out of necessity, because they needed me, because they needed something from me. They needed, uh, they needed something to sustain them. Because guess what? I want to go into 2020 needing a necessity. I don't want God just to be an accessory to me anymore. I don't want him just to be something that I put on every now and then or I hang up in the, in the closet uh, like my NFL jersey because I only bust it out at certain times. But what I want it to be is a necessity that I constantly put on Jesus. Everywhere I go, everything I do, I want to wear him. I want to be with him. Man. It's not just an accessory or a keychain, but I want it to be a light in my life to bring light to my path and light to my darkness to, to show that, you know what, I've got sin in my life and I want to get it out, Jesus. I want you to do something immediately as I touch your very presence because I don't want to be the same. I want to be better than I was yesterday, not the person around me because I'm not in, in fighting with them. What I'm fighting is the enemy within me that's saying, God, I want you to rip out of me what doesn't belong to you, and I want to be my heart full-hearted to you. Man, Jesus, he is so good. Okay, we got to keep going. But he kept on looking around to see who had touched him. Jesus, knowing all the answers, fully God, fully man, looking all around. It reminded me of like God walking in the garden, right? With Adam and Eve after they have sinned. He's asking Adam, where are you? He, he's God. Like he's asking the question, Adam, where are you? But because he wanted them to make the decision, do I want to continue to stay in the, in the spot that I have put myself in? Or do I want to be able to run the, to this miraculous God that promised to heal, deliver, and set free? So each and every one of us, as, as we get to ready to close out, and I know it, we can do this every single day because it's coming into a new week. Tomorrow we want it to be better or, or whatever it may be. But because we're, we're ending 2019 and we're coming into 2020, we don't want it to be the same, but we want it to be different with the glory of God that encamps round about us, that I want to walk in his presence. But Jesus kept looking around and saying, but looking around to see who had done it. Then the frightened woman trembled at the realization of what had happened to her. She was so scared because she had never felt that kind of healing before. It had been 12 years. She's gone to doctor after doctor, person after person, group after group, dollar after dollar that she's given to try to get herself out of her condition. But then all of a sudden, here comes this man named Jesus who was born in a manger, who, who didn't have anything to his name, who walked around with a bunch of 12 crazy guys, who did all these crazy things, and yet... Here she was sitting there and she was trembling because she did not quite understand what had just happened to her. And she realized um, as she's looking around what happened to her, she came and, and came and fell to her knees in front of him and told him what she had done. And told him what she had done. Now, the unworthiness has been brought to light. And she had to make a decision. Do I continue to hide in the sin or the mess that I found myself in? Or do I have to come in front of Jesus? And a lot of times that's hard for us because we don't like confrontation. We don't like to be busted out. We don't like when somebody 
says something to us. We don't like the, the confrontation that sometimes it happens. And, 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 and as a parent, it, it, it happens all the time with my kids or as, as a, it happens all the time with my spouse. And sometimes it can get kind of awkward. And now here's this woman that says, I've been this way for so long. I don't know what else to do. I just know I've got to touch his robe. I've just got to touch his presence. And then she's healed miraculously. And she's still trembling because she, in her mind, she's thinking, if I go in front of him, he's asking the question, who touched me? And if I go in front of him, he's going to smite me down. He's going to kick me down. Because all the other gods have come to on, on, on horses with a, a sword in hand, ready to pierce anybody who stands against them. But yet here comes Jesus. And he says, and, he, and she knelt down before him. And she told them what she had done. And, and the verse goes on, or the verses go on and it says, And he said to her, Daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace. Your suffering's over. He didn't respond in the way that she thought. He didn't respond in the and maybe the 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 actions that she thought I I deserve to be beheaded. I deserve uh, death. I deserve, I deserve, I deserve. And here Jesus says, You don't deserve anything but my love. And guess what? He calls her daughter. Because a few verses before, it just says a woman. But now he gives her identity. <laughs> he gives her identity. It's the true meaning of the goodness of God brings about repentance. I hear the whole time I was like, man, it interrupted a beautiful story with another woman. Are you serious? What in the world? And it was like God hit me and said, yeah, but I had two daughters to heal in this story. Because one of them came unworthy feeling unworthy, feeling shameful, couldn't even stand. And then now she stands and kneels before Jesus. And she says, he says to her, daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace. Your suffering is over. You don't have to walk out of here the same way. You don't have to leave an encounter with God the same way. But we get to leave healed, delivered, set free in peace. And our suffering is over. He calls her daughter. She didn't want to say anything, I'm sure, because she had been frightened for 12 years. She's been dealing with this. But on that day, she found the one that others had just talked about. But that day, she got to experience him for herself. For this final Sunday of 2019, I don't just want to walk, just talk about him and just walk by him, but I want to experience him. He says, daughter, he calls her by name. I mean, he doesn't like call her as Ezzy or, or Susie, whatever it may be. But he says, daughter. He makes it so much more intimate. So much more powerful. Because you may have been feeling like an orphan. But on that day, he said, you're no longer going to be an orphan. But you're going to be called a child of the Most High. To the doctor, she may have been just another number, another problem. To her sickness, just another, another victim. Maybe this was her normal that she was just constantly used to. Just another day. But on that day, she met this man, this crazy man named Jesus, who gave her something so much more than just a healing. So much more than just a financial blessing because now she's going to be able to save all this money, right? She doesn't have to keep spending on the doctors. So much more because that's not who we seek after. So much more than just another good church service. You see, Jesus had given her identity. She was to be known as a child of the Most High God. So wonderful. So amazing. And then that's the end of the story. 
And so it goes right back. And it's just like I said, it, it, it threw me for a loop because I wanted to teach about this, this other daughter. And we're, we're still going to get there. But it just threw me for a loop that it interjected of another daughter that needed to be set free. Another daughter that needed to know her identity. And I hope that you and I, because so many times we can come to church and we can say, well, that was just for the person next to me, or that was for so-and-so over there, or that was for so-and-so in the back, or that was for the kids in the Sunday school room, or that was for the worship team. That The, the presence of God's all around me, but it, that word was just given to them. But no, 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 today's your day. Today's your day that you get to receive that word. Today's your day that you get to receive that power that he promised so long ago. That he didn't just die and stay in a tomb, but he rose again so that you and I can experience the goodness of God. And so you see, the Bible goes on and says, while he was speaking to her, messengers arrived from the home of Jairus, the leader of the synagogue. And they told him, your daughter is dead. There's no use troubling the teacher now. Don't trouble the teacher. Don't trouble the healer. Don't trouble the way maker. The enemy so many times wants you to, to think about going back to your old ways where I will just I'll just go back to figuring it out because you see the promise that had been given is now dead the word that had been spoken is now gone and the whole time they're saying don't trouble Jesus don't trouble him because it's already been passed your time has already come and gone the Bible goes on to say but Jesus overheard them and said to Jarius. Now, the New Living Translation says overheard. The ESV, the English Standard Version says um, that Jesus ignored them. Jesus ignored them and said to Jarius. You see, Jesus is going to ignore the lies of the enemy that is being told to you. You see, Jesus is going to ignore the naysayers that are constantly coming against you and saying, you can't do that. How can you do that? You, 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 you can't be like this. You can't do that anymore. Don't you know what you used to be? And Jesus is saying, nah, man, you just got to put your hand out and be like, listen, I'm just going to ignore you when I walk into 2020. I'm just going to ignore you from this moment on. And I'm not, he tells Jarius, don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. Just have faith. Just have faith. And then Jesus does something cool. And then he stops the crowd. <laughs> he stops the crowd and says, you're no longer going to be able to speak to Jarius anymore. You're no longer going to be able to speak to this. To the, 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 you're no longer going to be able to say these lies anymore. Jesus just says it all and says, listen, I'm going to stop the crowd. And they won't, I won't let anybody else go with you. Except Peter, James, and John. And when they came to the house of the synagogue leader, Jesus saw much commotion and weeping and wailing. He went inside and asked, why all the commotion and weeping? The child isn't dead. She's only sleep, asleep. But Jesus, don't you see that my miracle that has, I was promised in 2019, don't you see that it's dead? Don't you see that all these things that I, was, that I know you're going to bring to pass, but I just don't have the faith for it right now. I just don't have the stamina to take me into the next, gener into the next thing. I just, I, God, I don't understand why you've left. I don't understand why you've allowed this thing to go, uh, to die. And Jesus walks in and says, tells the whole people around says listen it the child's not dead the promise is not dead the healing is not dead your miracle is not dead it's just sleeping it's just asleep the crowd laughed at him <laughs> here comes that sly old enemy again as the word spoken it says this miracle's not dead it's only asleep and Jesus 
and the crowd laughed at him. And guess what? He made them all leave. You see, first he stopped the crowd, the people around, from saying things. Then he had to kick out the people inside the house. And he had to stop from the lies of the enemy that I had let and take root inside of my heart and inside of my mind. He said, I took out the ones around you, but now I'm going to take out the ones inside of you. And give a new heart and give a new mind. A constant reminder that he is who he actually says he is. That he is who he actually says he is. You see, the enemy so many times wants to stop us from seeing our miracle, from seeing us give in, give up, throw in the towel. Maybe we walked in with joy, but some things had stolen our joy from us. Maybe we walked in with peace, but some things had stolen our peace from us. But see, it, 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 the, the, the devil constantly is at us that he wants to see us stop seeking God or worshiping God. And, and I, I saw this verse and I, or verses and I wanted to read them to you. Psalms 132 verses 1 through 5. David, um, out of the English Standard Version, David is now talking about bringing the Ark of the Covenant back uh, into the house of God or, or bring it back to Israel. And he says, remember, O Lord, in David's favor, all the hardship he endured, how he swore to the Lord and vowed to the mighty one of Jacob. I will not enter my house or get into my bed. I will not give sleep to my eyes or slumber to my eyelids until I find a place for the Lord, a dwelling place for the mighty one of Jacob. I don't want to give up until I know he's got a place in my heart. I don't want to give up until I know that he's going to, 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 to reign and rule inside of me. It's not just good enough that I want to bring the presence of God around me, but I want to bring the presence of God in me and through me. So we see where Jesus, going back to Mark, he took the girl's father and mother, the ones he had already spoken, the ones who had now have to have a confrontation moment because what they, the miracle had been given to him, the blessing that had been given to him, the, the miraculous things that had been given to him, their daughter is now laying there dead. And he took also the three disciples into the room where the girl was laying. And Jesus holding her hand, he said to her, now I'm going to butcher it and I'm so sorry. But Talitha Kum, that's what I had looked it up and that's what it said. But which means, little girl, get up. And I don't think he said it quietly. I think he grabbed onto her hand and he said, little girl, get up. And all of heaven at that moment stopped. All of hell at that moment stopped. And they had to release what they had already taken. Can you hear me? They had already had to, they had to release what they had already taken. Because when God says, hey, listen, get up. And he calls out by name to you and I today, get up. All of heaven and all of hell have to come under submission under his name. And you have to know that it's your time to get up. I know you've been dead for so long and it's feel like my heart is so far gone. But today God wants to say to you and I, get up, get up, get up. The ESV version says, it says, I say to you, arise. Can you imagine the, the, the heartbeat of those parents as they saw their miraculous they saw their promise that had been given that had now all of a sudden life had come back into her body and she stood up because when Jesus says get up when Jesus says get up when Jesus speaks a word into your life and a word into mine let me tell you something you can hold on to it 
It says, and the girl who was 12 years old immediately stood up and walked around. And they were overwhelmed and totally amazed. God is so amazing to each and every one of us. As today he speaks into your heart and mind, you've got to get up. I know you've been down for so long and it hurts and it's tough and it's strenuous and, and I've hurt my arm or I've hurt my leg. I've been offended or this has gone on or that's gone on and, and I'm, I'm, all the times it's never been put back together. But if you can be like both daughters, if you could be like the first woman we talked about that says, listen, I don't care what it takes, but I want to get into the presence of God. I want to see his kingdom come and his will be done in my life and in my family. Would you stand to your feet? Woo! Oh, man. Whoa. Today, you get to walk in identity and authority that he has given to you. Because you see what the enemy thought he has taken. Jesus Christ died on a cross to take the keys back from death, hell, and the grave. And so because of that victory, the same spirit that rose Jesus from the grave is the same spirit that lives inside of you and I today. The same, the same spirit of a living God that breathed into Adam the breath of life is the same spirit of God that can breathe into you and I today. But it's up to us to be able to say, I want to accept it. I want to accept it because I don't want to go into 2020 the same. But I want to go into it being renewed and revived and refreshed and restored. So today, as we end our last service of 2019 I guess I give you a challenge that you're going to have to do something that might be out of the norm that we're, we might be used to or that you might be used to that you're going to do something a little different because I want to do something different as we move into this next year now whether it's for my own personal or whether it's for our business that you started or whether it's for your family for your kids, your grandchildren, whoever it may be but you're going to do a, a declaration, a, a prophetic act. And I want you to get out of your seat and you're going to come down here to the front. Can you do that? For those that say, listen, I don't want, I'm ready to arise. I'm ready to feel that power, that love. Yeah. Woo. And we're doing it as a family. You read in the scripture where Jesus took Peter, James, and John, and he took the parents with him. He says, I'm not going to do this by myself, but I'm going to pull a community around me, and we're going to do this together. So each and every one of you that have come down here, or those of you in your seats, we're going to do this together as a family. We're going to do 2019 as a, as a community, as, as a church body, that we're going to not only be blessed ourselves, but we're going to bless those around us. And we're going to see our community change. We're going to see our Treasure Valley change in everything that we do. Because today he wants to give you identity, not just known as another number, not just known as, as another victim, but you are going to be known as a child of the Most High God. So would you close your eyes? Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Right now, Father, we repent of everything that does not belong in our heart and in our mind. Rather, we put it there or we, we've allowed or the doors of our heart and our mind to be opened and it doesn't belong. So we repent of those things that do not align with the word of God and align with you and your spirit. We are saying that you have to get out of us. We are saying that sin, you no longer have a place and you have been forgiven in the name of Jesus. We're saying of wrongful thinking, we're not going to allow it to go into 2020. 
we're going to walk into 2020 with a renewed mind and a renewed heart. So we repent of those things that don't belong. Now, Jesus, we receive your love and your power and your grace. As just like that woman with the issue of blood, we are saying, Lord, no matter how long we have been dealing with it, with our circumstance and situation and problem and trial, we are saying right now, as we just reach out to you, that we receive your love, that we receive your power and we receive your grace right now. And we rebuke the lies of the enemy that you no longer have a place here, devil. You no longer have a place in our marriage. You don't have a place in our home. Sickness, you don't have a place in my home. Uh, Anxiety, you don't have a place in my heart. Sickness, disease, you don't have a place in my body. It has been bought and washed by the renewing of Jesus Christ's blood. So we rebuke those things that do not belong. And most of all, God, we replace. We replace it right now with your love. We replace it right now, God, with your true identity that you call me a son or daughter. You called me a child of the most high living God. So as we have made these prophetic acts, God, and these people that have come down um, out of their seat, we are saying, Lord, right now, that you would touch their hearts and their minds, that they're not going to walk into 2020 the same way, but they're going to walk into 2020 with a praise on their lips, with victory in their heart, with their mind set on things that are from above that they are the head and not the tail they are not they are above and not beneath that they are healed delivered and set free by the power of the name of Jesus so God right now as we close out 2019's last service God we just want you to move revive and restore deliver God set free those that need it in the name of Jesus and as we begin to sing your praises we just want you to just invade us right now Invade us right now. We give you the